What's going on, guys? And welcome to this episode of the B3 Podcast. It's been a long week, so got a bunch of things to cover. We're going to talk about Richarlison getting back into form, a few different news stories going around from a couple of different sources, and what we can look forward to as we head to Stamford Bridge and take on Chelsea this weekend. All that coming up on the B3 Podcast. What's going on, B3 Podcast listeners? Welcome to today's episode of the B3 Podcast. And what a week it what a week it's been. I mean, we had an unfortunate loss, obviously, against Manchester United last week. But we had a great performance against Brighton at home. The fans were lifting the players all throughout the game. Seamus Coleman got a goal in there as well. It, you know, it's great to see him celebrating. Great to see him involved yeah, in a positive way. Uh, he got a little bit of criticism after his uh, performance against Manchester United, so it's good to see him getting involved um, and you know getting a goal, kind of a go-ahead goal there, and uh, kind of you know he he was definitely into it. And after his after his leg break, uh, and you know after this new niggling injury, it's good to see him in such high spirits, and then to see the fans get behind him. And uh, I don't know how many were at the game, or uh, you know how many were watching and were able to hear it, but. The fans definitely, after he scored that goal, you could hear, you know, his sixty grand, sixty thousand chant, uh, which still is, I mean, it's crazy that Seamus Coleman was that cheap. I mean, easily, you know, he's easily top five right backs in the league, uh, if not better than that. So, you know, it's good to see him, uh, you know, getting close back to his usual performance level, um, and just just the team performance as a whole. I mean, yes, there were a few negatives, of course. Um, uh, which will be part of every game, but all in all, it was a, a decent performance. Um, so let's start off, kind of, you know, with that game. So Richarlison's back, obviously, two goals in a game. Um, that kind of seems to be a recurring theme with him, where he'll go quiet for a little bit, and then put two in the back of the net. Uh, you know, in one game or or you know something similar to that. He's, you know, there were a few moments of chatter that he was, you know, inconsistent or that up front might not have been his, you know, best position, which it still may not be. But this performance definitely forced a couple of questions to be asked and and demonstrated that he can score wings both, can score goals both from the wing and from uh, up top being the uh, front man. So we can start off with the positives of the game, uh, which there were quite a few. Uh, but the biggest ones definitely, I mean, I mean, the the definite forefront one was the uh, breakaway goal. That was just pure counterattack of football. Um, I, I, I rewatched the highlight a few times, and the ball is touched from when the corner is taken. The ball is touched a total of 11 times before it hits the back of the net. Gilfie Sigurdsson takes the ball off of uh, Curtis Zuma's clearance header, 
makes the run up top. Bernard gets into space, and he started off a little poorly actually in the game. Bernard, a few loose touches, he wasn't you know wasn't involved as well as he normally would be, or as we would like to see him. And then got involved in that play. Great, great pass back from Bernard to Gilfie. Gilfie Sigurdsson, one touch, then picks his head up, slots into space on the outside post, kind of like I was talking about how Andre Gomez likes to do. Slots Richarlison in, and Richarlison puts the ball in the back of the net before the keeper has anything. You know, they've got, he's got no idea. Then Seamus Coleman's goal that we kind of already discussed. And then Richarlison's goal, it'd be the second one, was to, was just really a demonstration of what he's capable of doing. He can kind of, he, he'll get a moment, and, and before he's even touched the ball, before he even broke away there, I mean, he knew exactly what he was going to do. He knocked that ball past, I didn't see who it was, but number four, I think. Um, knocked the ball past him there. It was clear into space. Put the keeper on his rear end and put the ball in the back of the net. And it was great to see that, uh, you know, all the players kind of ran over and celebrated with him, of course. But there's a lot of uh, small bonds in the team, which I feel is pretty important. I mean, over over the years of me being on a few different soccer teams, there's normally one or two guys that you're a little bit closer with. And th- those bonds become more and more important, especially during difficult times of the season. And Richarlison obviously didn't have difficult times this season, but he, he went a little quiet. But him and Yerry Mina, are, are, they seem to be really close friends, you know, good buddies, and they lift each other up. It was great to see Yerry Mina come out onto the pitch as well towards the end there. Um, but when Richarlison scored that goal, he ran over to the corner flag, and, and Mina was there, you know, just to hug him and celebrate with him. So that was really nice to see. That's good to, uh, you know, good to see that the players are all getting involved with each other, getting along. Um, there seems to be a really good positive buzz around the crowd. Uh, a couple other positives um, from the game would be really, I mean, the final third was the best that's been all season, in my opinion. There's There were more players than, than in any previous game that, that want to be involved in the final third. They want to be on the ball in the final third. They want to be putting that final pass, you know, either through the defense behind the defense or, or crossing a ball in. Uh, but really, we we demonstrated what we're capable of up front and, and how all of the players want to be involved in, in attacking play, which is really great to see. And uh, just all in all, just a great performance. I mean, individually as well. I mean, for me, Adrissa Gay was the man of the match. He, he wa- I think he won everything he went in for. He won every tackle he, he, he tried to do. He had... Uh, Something like eighty-six or like or or maybe low nineties um, passing completion. I, I saw the statistic earlier this week, but or earlier oh, over the weekend, um, but I can't remember exactly what it was. But he he just had a really great performance. Coleman obviously um, he was putting balls into the box all game, and obviously scored a goal. I mean, everyone really really pulled pulled their own weight and got involved. Now all of that being said, there were a couple of negatives. Uh, first off being they would let them back into the game, obviously. So we were 1-0 up. We were in, in in full control, really. I mean, we were running the game. And then Brighton, just they get one set piece, and they're back in the game. Um, we got to work on definitely defending set pieces. But, it, you know, it's not the, the biggest deal, obviously. I mean, you're going to concede goals. Zoom, the ball went right over Zuma's head. Um, you know, he was very close to clearing the ball again. He's an absolute animal in both boxes. He gets his head on nearly everything. So, 
you know, fair enough in that sense. But still, to, to let the team back into the game like that, I mean, it can cause worry in the crowd, which quiets the crowd down, which can then, you know, affect the players on the pitch. So it's a little bit of a, you know, it's a it's a difficult situation uh, when it happens. But in this game, in this instance, we did respond very well. The second would be that against a, a, a more prolific team, a, a team that scores more often um, and is more clinical, we may have been punished um, if we'd been playing the way we did for the first five or 10 minutes because we went out and although we, we were in, you know, going forward and we had a few opportunities um, and moved the ball, you know, decently well, but there was a lot of loose touches and loose passes early on in the game. A few guys being lazy. Uh, Bernard's touch seemed to be off of his normal um, ability. He seemed to kind of be struggling early on. And there were a few times when loose passes were given away and, against teams like, you know, Man City or Chelsea, when they're given the ball in dangerous positions in the midfield or something like that, then, you know, that that next pass from that player uh, of like Chelsea's caliber or, or Man City's caliber could be a dangerous one. Could be, you know, through to a forward, out wide to a Sterling or um, a Sané. And you could be punished basically for those loose loose passes and loose touches against a team that's more prolific in going forward and stronger goal scorers. We were lucky that we were playing against Brighton because a lot of the time they would collect the ball in the midfield and they'd either turn themselves into trouble or they'd pick the wrong pass. Um, and then also Ghana was just on fire, so he was able to rescue us a few times in that sense. But we were lucky that we didn't get punished uh, more often uh, than we did and uh, that they didn't put... Um, another one or two in the back of the net as a result of our loose passing early on in the game. Um, basically, all in all, the biggest issue out of any of the previous mentioned is missed chances. Uh, it's been a, it's been an issue all, all season. Um, and in the first half um, on the Twitter account over, um, I think it was probably like at halftime, I think I did it, or at the beginning of the second half, I tweeted saying, it's another case of missed chances. We could have been three three one up after uh, after the first half. There's no reason that we couldn't have been had two goals in the back of the net already, or even three. Um, I mean, Gilfie Sigurdsson had a couple of opportunities. He had one early on that was, I mean, you could say it was a sitter. Even I mean, the ball came into the box. He was under no pressure. I guess it was a quick pass, but a player of his caliber should be putting his ball, putting his boot through the ball, and you know at least challenging the keeper if if nothing more i mean you, you should at least be putting the ball on target and forcing the keeper to do something but if the, if those issues can be fixed if we can take our opportunities when they come and we can put the ball in the back of the net uh when we're given those opportunities then games like this saturday against chelsea and against clubs where you know you, you need to be more careful because they can catch you on the break or you know you got to play a little bit more defensively than you would against a brighton a fulham or a huddersfield then, you know, missing those chances can be, can be, you know, a big deal, can be a problem. All in all, though, a, a, you know, a good performance, something to be happy about, something to, to be proud of as fans and, and to kind of ride the wave of positivity this weekend as we go and head to Stamford Bridge. Uh, and the other big one, too, is that Richarlison, Richarlison's back. I mean, he got that brace. He's got that scoring feeling again. Uh, he, he, you know, he's been kind of up and down. He's still, still scoring goals, but he, he didn't, 
he started off very very hot. Obviously, he was he was intensely in, in front until he got the early red card in the season. But now it seems that he's back to you know back to his old ways kind of thing, and hopefully he can keep it up. And who knows, maybe maintain his promise of uh, being the league's top scorer and challenge him for that golden boot. So moving on from that would be, like I previously mentioned, we're headed to Stanford Bridge this weekend. So I, I put a, a poll out on the Twitter account, um, which I'll, I'll do another one too for the rest of the week for for those who will listen to this. And you can go over to the Twitter account at Blue Blood Bias. And just, uh, you know, cast your vote as to what you think will come of this weekend. Uh, we had an 89% vote this past one. It was only a 24-hour 24 24-hour window for voting. But we had an 89% vote that the that we think that we can win the game, that we can or at least take something from it, that we're not going to go there and we're not going to be a Southampton against Man City. Who they, I mean, I don't know how many of you paid attention to the scores this weekend or saw that game or saw the highlights, but Southampton just got absolutely battered. And uh, it, it was it was kind of... I can imagine it'd be tough to watch as a Southampton fan, and I, I don't know how many would have... If they weren't at the game, if they were home watching on TV, I don't know how many would have left it on. I, w- I would imagine there would be a lot of guys and women just, you know, putting the, uh, putting the telly off and going off and going for a walk somewhere or doing something else because that, that would have been difficult to watch. I, I don't think that we're that that's going to be us. I think we're going to go to Stanford Bridge and it's going to be intensely hard, obviously. The club is performing at its at its best level as of late. It's They've got a lot of players that are performing very well, one of which, of course, is the ex-Everton boy, Ross Barkley. Now, he was very much a snake move of him the way that he left the club. And there's a, there's a lot of history there when Moyes was there and he had the the potential injury that, the, or the injury that had the potential to kind of take him out of the game or, you know, at a different club, you know, he could have been out in his ass. He could have, he could have lost the opportunity to play football, but Everton and Moyes stuck behind him, stuck with him. And uh, he, uh, he went over, Moyes even, went to his house. I mean, I don't know how many of you know this story, but when, so Barkley was a young, was, a, you know, he's a, a young kid when this injury happened and he had potential to, you know, you know, not be part of a club anymore. But Moyes went round to the house and said, you know, don't you guys worry. We're going to stick with you. We're going to help you out when we can. And what Moyes did was he gave his, his mom and, and Ross a, a week's vacation at an all-inclusive resort to, during his recovery to, to kind of get away and relax a bit with with the situation that was going on. And obviously, you know, all throughout his career when he was at Everton, he was saying, you know, this is, this is the club that I want to be at. You know, the club has done a lot for me. Um, and, and now he's turned around and, and he left the club suddenly. I think there was a lot of BS going on. And I think Lukaku got into his head as well with the Lukaku move. That didn't help. And I, I think that there was a lot of detriment to to both the club and to his reputation uh, amongst a, di- a couple of different fans uh, when he left. Now, I'm not happy with the way he left. And I think that, you know, there's something to be said, uh, you know, negatively uh, about the way that he left the club and and his stance on it. But it, it is still good to see, a, you know, a Liverpool, a, a, you know, a, a kid born in Liverpool and, 
was a you know Everton was his boyhood club, and and he's now performing well at a high level in the Premier League. He's he's very much in form, and it's I'm going to be curious to see how the fans react when he's on the ball or when his name gets called, and I I don't know how I how I want to react uh, to be honest, because as much as much of it is like a, a kind of a terrible thing that the way he left and the stories going around that he's removing his tattoos or that the club didn't really coach him very well or didn't do much for him. It's, it's all very weird. It's all very, you know, it's, it's, it can be troubling as a fan, but I don't know if I was at the game, I, I might not boo. I mean, maybe, maybe surrounded by a couple thousand other Everton fans, maybe I would be changing my tune, but I don't know. I, I, I think to, to see, to see the, the lad out there and, you know, you know, performing well, as much as it's terrible the way he left the club, I think that he, in a way, deserves a little bit of respect. Um, but at the same time, he, he hasn't respected the club very well um, on his way out the door. So, you know, think of it as you will. But but my stance on it is that I really I really don't know how to feel about it. But it is still good to see him performing well uh, and know that we've still, you know, beyond Rooney, have had players performing at, at a high level out, out of the academy. Anyway, back, back into the... The game itself, it's not going to be easy, but it is definitely winnable. Um, and the big thing that I just previously mentioned is that we need to be capitalizing on our chances. Those missed chances and missed opportunities are, are in a game like this will cost us um, like massively. If we can come out of the gate firing all cylinders and just really getting after them and just and matching their intensity because they're a very intense team and they're, and they're very high-paced football moving the ball well. All their players have got some pace on them. I think that uh, it, it'll be a good performance. I think it's going to be a good game, to be honest. I don't think that we're going to get smashed. I don't think that we're going to get slaughtered, and I don't think that we're going to slaughter them either. I think that it's going to be a very, very good game, and I think that it's going to be a either before halftime when the players are starting to tire down and the tempo is going to slow down a little bit. I think there'll be an opportunity maybe for both sides to put a goal in the back of the net in, in that in that half. And if that doesn't happen, I think that it's going to be a, kind of a deadlock break late on. And then the game's going to open up in the last 15 to 20 minutes. The final score, I, I've got absolutely no idea because it could be nil, nil. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a keeper battle because we've both got very, very good keepers. Um, if our defense can stay, if our, if our defense can stay disciplined and you know, not, foul anybody in the box, give penalties away, and just stay on top of everybody. And then we've also got Mina going in as well. So we've got another threat going forward. And, and as well as Zuma's been performing, it's, you know, I, I don't know that Mina coming in is definitely, is necessarily a negative thing. But if we can have the defense stay, stay disciplined, if Ghana can perform anywhere close to the way he's been performing, and the same thing with Gomez, and then you know, the other guys, I mean, on their day are unstoppable. I mean, Theo Walcott's been up and down, but if, if he's on his day and it's for him, it's, you know, what used to be a rival for him at his time at Arsenal. So, you know, who knows? Maybe he's got, maybe he's got uh, a bone to pick with them. Gilfie Sigurdsson on his day, he's absolutely unstoppable. Richarlison. So, and Bernard as well. All, everybody. Uh, there was another statistic that I saw that Dinia is third in chances created in the Premier League behind Raheem Sterling and one other person. I mean that's a that's a crazy statistic. Um, so if if our players can be performing at their top level, 
and just maintaining what they've been doing lately and what we did against Brighton and just really capitalize on the chances that we get. It could be a good game. I think that we've got something to look forward to. Uh, we definitely can't sit back. We definitely can't let Chelsea run at us. Um, we can't be having, you know, 11 guys behind the ball at all times. So we'll have to see. One thing I will say is that uh, we won't have Zuma, obviously. So I don't know if this is definitely going to happen or if this was his thought process behind doing it. But in the last uh, few minutes of the game, when, when Mina came on against Brighton, we actually played five in the back. It was actually uh, Keen, Mina, and Zuma as, as the middle three, and then uh, Dina or Dean and Coleman as the fullbacks. Now, that's not to say that that's definitely his thought process going into the Chelsea game. Uh, Ronald Koeman did that going against Chelsea when we were there last, and, and it didn't it didn't end up good. We ended up losing the game, but uh, I don't know. I mean there's no way to know ahead of time. I mean, maybe the players will be able to latch onto Silva's uh, tactics, you know, a little quicker and, and be able to maybe, you know, kind of get it down early in the game. But I'm not normally a fan of changing uh, tactics. I mean, under Moyes, that was kind of our issue. I mean, he would get us to semifinals and finals all of the time. And then he would change his tactics in the final or in that semifinal, and it would cost us the game. So there's, there you can look at it both ways. I mean, it's both ways. You could think that three in the back might help us and might get our width involved a little more and have us be a little bit more comfortable in the center of the pitch when they're on the break. But at the same time, the 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 wide play is difficult if you know that we've got a week to learn it unless they've been working on it a lot in training. I don't know if anyone knows that or anything if it's been discussed, but if we can get the you know how to defend in wide positions down well, then who's to say that we can't do it well? Who's to say that you know it might not end up being a positive thing, and that Silva will be praised for his changes? But I'm looking forward to that game. Uh, it's it's tough to say what I I mean. I'm not really gonna say a definite score prediction. I mean normally I would, but this game is very very hard to say. But I think if we can be at our best and we can battle with Chelsea, which I think we have the ability to, I think that it could be a low-scoring game. It could be as low as 1-0, 1-1, We'll have to see, but uh, I'm excited to see the game uh, and excited to see what comes of it, but uh, it's, it's tough to say. Now, coming off of that, a few other things that have been going around the news were... were uh, kind of Coleman celebration and, and he didn't apologize for it, but he explained it. Um, so for those that saw it, he ran over to the corner flag and kind of slid on his knees and, and put his, put his hands to his ears, like cupped his ears, like, to, you know, as to say like, you know, I'm listening or I can hear you kind of thing, which normally is kind of a, a shot at the critics, but he explained that, that that wasn't the case obviously. And he said he's never had any issues with the fans, but he was aware of his criticism after the United game. Um, a few people in the press said that Coleman had given Man United too much respect, uh, that he, he wasn't going forward enough. Or he, And I was getting frustrated with him too throughout the game because there was a lot of times that he was stopping with the ball at his feet, which was just killing the play. Got to keep the ball moving. But anyway, I mean, his, his explanation was basically that it, it had nothing to do with uh, um, or didn't have a negative connotation. It was just basically that him saying, I hear you. I, you know, I understand that you're being critical, but, you know, uh, 
I'm in this. I'm, I'm putting all of my ability into, into being the best that I can. And I want to perform well for the club. So it, it was good to see. And, and I'm happy he had a chance to explain himself. So there's no uh, misunderstandings between him and the fans. Uh, other stories would be, yeah, I mean, there's one from the echo here that says Richarlison's next goal for Everton should be scoring the winner against Liverpool. I don't think any of us, any of us, yeah, would be upset with that. Um, quite honestly, I'd like his next goal to be against Chelsea this weekend. I mean, I don't think I really want to wait till early December to, uh, watch him score a goal that, that beats Liverpool. But if we did, and if he did do that, I mean, the the roof is going to come off the place. No matter what stadium we're at, whether it's Goodison or Anfield, if Richarlison scores a winner late in the game or something, or he puts us ahead in that game, it's going to be absolute mayhem. Uh, And it'll be exciting. It'll be exciting to watch that game. But uh, interesting interesting headline there. Interesting, uh, Interesting article. That's on the Echo for those that are interested. Um, and then just a lot of it's basically Richarlison, Richarlison, Richarlison all over the place. It's strikes twice against um, uh, Brighton, um, Everton breakdown Brighton. Uh, oh, oh, and Chris Chris Hewton, the uh, Brighton manager, even said that he he came out and said, and it was a good thing to hear from another manager because um, sometimes even when teams are performing poorly, like oh yeah, you know it's not going to be easy kind of thing. I mean Manchester City, I mean Pep. Pep Guardiola would say at a press conference, oh, it's not going to be easy playing against, uh, you know, some League One club in the League Cup or in the FA Cup. Sometimes it's just out of respect to not say anything negative. But in this instance, I think that it's a great, it's a, it's a great thing to hear from another manager. And he said that, he was quoted in saying, we were up against a very good Everton squad today, very good team, um, and that basically they didn't deserve to win. I mean, that the scoreline was correct that they were outplayed. And it's, it's good that in a sense that there's been a lot of performances where it kind of could have gone either way or people are saying, Oh, well, if Fulham had put a couple of more chances away, you know, that game could have been very different, but really there was nothing by Brighton. There was not really any part of their performance that was stand out, uh, any missed chances necessarily. And really we were just the better team. And it's good to see that we're, we're progressing in a way that, we're just flat out the better team on the pitch on a day and that we're outperforming somebody. Uh, and it's, it's something that can continue obviously. And I think that Silva's got the ability to kind of get that into the players' minds. And I think that, you know, if we were to take even a point away at Stanford bridge this weekend, it's, it's a, a wave that we can keep on riding. And like, uh, like it was said in, in Liverpool echo, who's to say that we can't go up against Liverpool and beat them as well. I'm going to take a drink of water here really quick. Give me one sec. All right. Sorry about that. But really, it's it, it's it's good to hear from another, from another manager that we're the, the, the better team. And it's it's something that, that it should be paid attention to and that, and that we could uh, continue to chime on and, and really just perform at our, at our highest level. Um, the other thing too, is that Silva's happy. Obviously it's, it's good to hear from, from a, another team's manager that he's ha- that, you know, we were, we outperformed them and that we were the better team, but it's, it's even more important to, to hear that our manager, Marco Silva is happy with our performance 
and that he, he wants to ride the wave this weekend against a difficult team, take on Chelsea, and potentially potentially take a point or, or three points from an away game against a team who's been performing at their best level in months. It's even You could even say the past couple of years. I mean, they won the league a couple of years ago, but still, it's going to be... It's going to be a tough game, and it's great to it's great to know that we're, you know, we lost that game against United, unfortunately, but we're definitely in in a good run of form in comparison to our our, our early few games. So no one no one could be ruling you shouldn't if you're ruling us out of this game. And then there were a couple of votes, you know, nineteen percent of the people that voted on the poll on Twitter saying that they don't think that we can take anything from this game that that the game's over before it's even started. I wouldn't rule us out. I think there's a, a great potential for us to, to take something away from this game. Uh, and it's a game that we should really be looking forward to. Now, it one one interesting... I mean, it's not Everton-related unless... I mean, it, you could say it is because of cause it's discussing Waza. Uh, but the, there was a, a Telegraph post saying that Gareth Southgate is undecided about giving Raheem Sterling's number 10 to Wayne Rooney for the USA friendly. Now, I get it. I mean, if you're in the England squad and you're England's number 10, that it's your number and you should be able to wear your number. But it's a friendly. And Waz is coming out of retirement. He's playing a farewell match. Just give the guy his number. It's it's like a non-story, but it's becoming a story because Gareth Selkate... I mean, it's literally a nothing story. Gareth Selkate is undecided about giving Raheem Sterling's number 10. So nothing has happened. He hasn't made a decision. And it's just, at this, as much as it is a non-story, and it's just like a, a you know, a, a garbage headline to discuss. But still, in my opinion, I mean, leave us, send us a tweet uh, over on, on Twitter there, or uh, comment on, on SoundCloud or, or in in the reviews on Apple or something, just isn't it? I I mean, in my opinion, it's pretty ridiculous. If it's a farewell match, just give the guy the number he used to. He's England's top scorer. Who are you to? I mean, Southgate. Yeah, he's not a nobody, but I think Waz's history in England is is a bit more stand out than his. I mean, he's England's top scorer. He's one of the he's the greatest one of the greatest players England's ever seen. Playing for the you know playing for the internet the the national team, just give the guy the number for God's sakes. I mean that's just my opinion, but it's this I mean unusual story for sure. But we'll we'll move on from that. Um, so Chelsea obviously has been undefeated uh, throughout the season. Uh, they dropped points. Here and there, but they're they're performing insanely well, uh, and it's something. It's there's something to be said about yes, you know, you want to ride a wave of positivity, how how we do again, you know, coming off of a win against Brighton, um, and we've got four wins in five games, which is you know, it's a great statistic to have, and it's a good thing to to think about. There's also something to be said that teams are due for a loss. I mean, there's got to be someone. I mean, no team is going to go. Yeah, I don't think in the modern era 
no team is going to go completely undefeated throughout throughout a season. I think that there's there's going to be a loss somewhere that points are going to be dropped. Um, and I, I I fancy our chances being that club that, that take points away from Chelsea this weekend. Um, I meant to say that a little earlier, so I wanted to hop back onto that. Now, on a little bit more of a somber note, and something I wanted to do before the closing of the the podcast as a whole here is to all those involved, uh, the families involved, all those fans of of Leicester Football Club. Um, it's a terrible tragedy the the loss of the chairman and and the loss of all of the lives involved in that helicopter accident. So what I wanted to do was, and kind of going with the theme of clubs doing it in in the Premier League, is before the closing out of, of the podcast here, I wanted to say, I wanted to have a brief moment of silence to, to allow some reflection um, of, of the things that you do have in life. Uh, you should cherish the family you have, cherish the friends you have, because you never know when things can happen. I mean, it was obviously not expected uh, and it, very, very sudden. Um, he left children behind. He left a wife behind. And, and very, many, many people who, who he'd touched in a positive way um, were, were grieving as a result. So I um, want to take a, a brief moment here just to, to allow some reflection. Um, and for, the, for those that, that pray, you know, send, send a few prayers up his way. Thanks very much, guys. I'm not going to run the outro on this one. I'm going to let you take the extra few seconds that would have been an outro to go find a loved one that's near you and give them a hug or just send a text message, call somebody, let them know that you care about them. And uh, if you've got someone who you haven't spoken to in a while, just make the call, send the text message and and let them know that, that you're there, that you care about them. Um, and, and just, just really appreciate the things you do have. Thanks very much for listening guys. And I look forward to talking to you in the next one.